We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. It feels like Miami. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Miami Heat Podcast. And with me today, we have our statistician and professional photoshopper Christian Hernandez. What is up? Chris has a new mic set up. I know. I hope I'm I'm coming through loud and clear. Uh, And I have this arm that everybody has when they're doing podcasts. I'm very excited. I feel part of the community. You're a professional. This is this is this is what we've always wanted. You're a professional. Uh, On the bottom of the screen, we have uh, we have our pun master and statistician Nikias Duncan of Basketball News and the host of the uh, podcast that is shooting up the world, up the rankings, the Dunker Spot. Hello, hello. How are you? We are we're doing great. We are ready for the second half of the season. There are games today, right? Today, today is officially we're back. We're back in action. Oh, I did not um, know basketball. that we were back today. That's we exciting. Are back today. There are games that don't concern us, uh, at least as a Miami Heat entity. Uh, but it's interesting and we have a lot to get to. Um, by the way, couple couple announcements off the top. Remember to check our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Miami Heapy, because we're going to be posting some announcements, including our next watch party, which we are going to let you guys vote and decide when we do those watch parties. Uh, tomorrow morning at 1030 on our locker room, we are doing uh, the our, our mid-morning show with Alf and I, plus uh, your slew of Miami Heapy hosts. Uh, called recovery time so get into the conversation talk to us kind of like you know like, oh, like radio you call in we talk we have a we have a fun discussion a little, little mid-morning radio show at 10 a.m 10 30 uh, 10 a.m sorry 10 a.m uh we'll tweet the link follow us at mi heat beat uh and, and we will we will for sure send you out that locker room link and if you miss it uh we're going to be uploading those kind of mini pods to our patreon uh you know it's, it's, we don't want to flood our main feed with too much stuff but if you want to catch that out you know subscribe to our patreon uh, and and you will be able to have access to to those if you want a little bit more of us. So, with all that out of the way, oh, and by the way, how can I be remiss to say the Weird Alf pregame show starts tomorrow? Lots of announcements. Yes, off the top very here. excited. Uh, so I will not be hosting the pregame show. I, I leave it in very capable and weird hands with our own Jack Alfonso. He and Christian will be will be creating a new thing on on Miami Heat Beat, and I'm really excited. You know, with with Heat Beat and Hangover Time and and the Weird Elf pregame show, we're going to have a lot of different different kinds of content for you guys in the locker room. So lots of offerings here uh, at Heat Beat. Uh, we've uh, we've come a long way. I'm proud of us. Look at that. We're we're, we're functioning. Um. Uh, so. 
to get into the news of the week, Myers Leonard uh, on stream, uh, he also streams on Twitch, as we do, uh, said a slur that he shouldn't have said. Uh, he said the K-slur um, toward Jewish people on stream playing God knows what, Call of Duty, I don't know, some some first-person shooter. Uh, and he... I'm not going to play the audio. Uh, I'm sure that you guys have seen it on Twitter. And I don't I don't think we need to go into why that's bad or why that's awful. Or like, I, I don't think that's important nuance. Um, Nikaias, I kind of want to talk about a little bit of the fan reaction to it. Because I've seen on Instagram, like the comments on like, you know, haters versus heat popular Instagram account, you know, kind of posted a, a little news bit about it. And the people or the comments saying it's sensitive. Our own Alex Solana. Uh, who produces for 560 has gotten a lot of hate from like people on Twitter, which is weird. I know that you have been called names. Like I, I, it's it's been incredibly weird how people are caping for this and not just like straight up like this is wrong. It's it's odd, but it's not surprising, which I feel like is the bigger issue. Um, the common I don't even know if it's right to call it a rebuttal, but common thing that you heard or that you read when that story dropped was oh well this is just people had a gamer moment this is just kind of in the culture and then there's the classic oh you wouldn't have lasted 10 seconds in one of those old chat rooms it's just like yeah it's true that that's kind of how those online settings go but that's also a problem it shouldn't be that way you should be able to express anger in a video game without being as offensive as possible. So like, while that context is accurate, that there are people that will spew those kind of comments without maybe having genuine hate, that doesn't make it right. Like, if anything, the fact that there's no hate there, allegedly, makes it even a it makes it more of an issue that those kind of words are being thrown around. So I do think there needs to be an emphasis on eradicating that type of thing because it shouldn't be normalized. Like the the fact that people are just like, no, yeah, this is this is this is our environment. This is our space is filled with this. And it's not just that. It's it's other words. It's the F slur. It's the N word. There's so many slurs and and awful nomenclature that is used in these spaces that's awful and like you know and Nick guys you play a lot of 2k uh i've played competitive super smash melee since 2005 right like and and, and <laughs> you think it's bad now i mean back in the day when i think a lot of people were less educated on what this stuff was it was even worse right and it's just it hasn't christian like this shit hasn't changed and the people just saying snowflake soft this isn't a big deal um, the buyer shouldn't have faced any repercussion. It's kind of wild. It's like, I, I don't understand what you gain as a person for like defending that like publicly, like what, why, what do you gain from that? <laughs> I mean, I guess they support the agenda to normalize that kind of thing, you know, like that's really the only way that you can view it. You know, like I, we do live streams all the time. I play video games online all the time. Like, yeah, I'll get mad and I'll curse, you know, like drop an F-bomb. I mean, Johnny, you, you, you mentioned like, you know, the F-word before, but like to me, like that word is used in such a variety of ways that like- oh, F-slur. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, no, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I'm talking about fuck. Like, you know, like, no, yeah, like fuck, when yeah, you have a word fuck. like that, you know, I don't want to start saying it over and over, but when you have a word like that that can be used in a variety of ways, like, it's not like there's not ways to express yourself where you're not targeting a group of people. And the thing that really bothers me about what Myers did is that that word is not commonly used at all. And if you know what that word is, you know it's a slur. So, like, and then he followed it up with another slur. So it's like, it's it, it there was pure malicious intent behind it like that's why it, ha it like it has to be that kind of behavior has to be punished like there are consequences like people crying about the first amendment understand that protects you from prosecution not consequences in real life and that's what this is it's and like i like it's and coupled with the stuff in the bubble with the anthem of him standing in the anthem and him being kind of defiant and and him 
And guys, going on TV and crying, you know, inside the NBA about like the anthem stuff and everything like this dude make this show. Right. And this me, 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 you know, not a not a hateful bone in my body, as we've heard many a times. And, uh, you know, it, it was not surprising, strange, sad, disappointing. Um, uh, I'm surprised the team suspended him, to be honest with you. I don't I, I mean, I, again, I, there's not a lot of precedent for uh, an NBA player cursing on a Twitch stream. But I, I was were you a little surprised by the suspension? Um, no, like I thought it was going to be a suspension and, and, or a fine because that's, that's egregious enough to where you can't sweep that under the rug. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I'm not super surprised that he was suspended. I will say that it's, easier to do that to a player that pulls this off who is already out for the year. So I think it took a little bit of pressure off of the heat to where they could take a more firm stance considering Myers wasn't going to play anyway, but that doesn't change the fact that that was still the right thing to do. Like he, no, of course, away for the team for a little bit. I'm just glad when, and and I know that Mickey Harris is Jewish as Chad is pointing out. So like, I mean, maybe it shouldn't be surprising, but you know, like just it teams should be kind of more proactive in these disciplinary actions and, and kind of these respects because these words have power. These people have platforms that are enormous and you know, this stuff matters, right? This stuff matters in a really tangible way that, you know, we see the people defending it in comments and stuff like that. And it's clearly just a, a part of a culture that, you know, needs to go. So, um, a little bit on the basketball side, and it's kind of it's kind of weird to talk about this, but you know, a lot was made of kind of the the, the player exception, the disabled player exception, the four point five, um, right? That so from according to, to Bobby Marks and Keith Smith, if they waive Myers Leonard, which is a possibility, he's owed like four point five million dollars left on his deal. Uh, they will still have that disabled player exception. If they trade him, they will lose it because I know that some people were kind of curious about that. Uh, so he he is cuttable. They don't owe him the full uh, nine or nine point three million or whatever. It's um four point one eight million of his nine point four million dollars salaries owed. So they can they can cut that will count against the cap, and they still have the four point eight million disabled player exception. So just to kind of get that out of the way, so that fans understand and are informed, and and they can kind of see. I know Ira wrote a piece today um, that kind of suggested that they may not they might not do it. So I, I don't know. Um, I mean, they're going to need a roster spot and it's uh, it's an easy move to make eventually for buyout. You know, Chris Silva hasn't done anything wrong and Myers has. It'd be a bad look to cut Chris Silva and not Myers, especially if you're not going to trade him. And he might be a little too radioactive to just be an expiring salary. A team might just say, no, uh, just give me Kelly or Andre or something. So uh, just kind of something to understand and, and look to. Uh, and we're going to move on and uh, we will we will talk about it as more news comes out or as, you know, we need to. But I did feel like it, it was I know the news came out yesterday. We didn't pod, but wanted to address it. So let's get into what we're here to talk about. Your defending Eastern Conference champions uh, are 500. They have uh, dug themselves, as I call the sinkhole that they made. COVID ravaged them. It's all well documented. Uh, their offense has look bad for most of the season and it's some at times look better since Jimmy Butler has come back. Um, I want to talk today about the defense. So we're going to get into the offense on the back half of the show and stuff like that. But Nikias, to me, what's winning them games has been their defense. It's been really oddly. I shouldn't say oddly because an Eric Spolster team is never, you know, defense is always their calling card. Um, but since Jimmy's come back, they've been a top five defense They've been really contesting threes that they weren't prior to him being there. Uh, the rim protection has slipped a little bit, but it, they've kind of made up for it with kind of harder closeouts, uh, stuff like that. Like on the defensive end, like what to you is sustainable or unsustainable about what they're doing? Um, I think what they're doing is, I think it's mostly sustainable. Um, the first game I would point to was the first Knicks matchup. And what you saw in that game was Miami start to trap all over the place. And it was odd on the surface that they're like sending two to the ball against Alfred Payton. And it's like, he's not a real threat. Why are they doing that? And I think that was 
A, to kind of speed up the learning curve because Miami had a shortened offseason. They've had some roster flux. So they were kind of behind the eight ball there. But also I think it was to get a little bit of get a little bit more energy into the defense because there were a lot of auto switches kind of built in to their scheme. I mean, that's just part of the commitment they made when they went bam at the five full time to start the year. And, you know, we've talked about it on this pod. We talked about it in chats. We talked about it on the timeline. Switching in itself isn't an issue, but some of the switches that the Heat were giving up, they were basically switching into mismatches and making it very easy for offenses to kind of dictate what they, what they wanted to do, who they wanted to attack, where they wanted to attack them. And it threw Miami for a loop. So I think shifting to that blitz forced them into making those hard rotations, forced them to play with more energy, to think a little bit more, to kind of build that synergy on that side of the floor. And they've eased off of that since that game. But a lot of those principles have carried over to where, you know, we talked about it recently, like Kendrick Nunn looks actually serviceable passable on defense now. Like he's doing a much better job of fighting over screens. We know what Jimmy Butler brings on the ball and especially what he brings off the ball as a weak side helper, as a guy at the nail that can kind of dig down, strip guys and take it the other way. Um, putting Bam in more drop situations, I think has helped them a little bit. He's still very willing and able to switch out when necessary, but I think, that helps take a little bit of pressure off of him, not having to guard the perimeter as much as he has been. Um, I, I think a lot of that is sustainable. Like if that energy is sustained and you have Bam and Jimmy on the floor with you, and then at points is Bam, Jimmy, and Andre Godala, who, I mean, we could talk about what that means on the other end of the floor, but defensively, Andre Godala has still been pretty good defensively. The hands are still as quick as ever, and he knows where to be. If you have those three guys on the floor, you're going to be able to put out a lot of fires. So I I think I haven't seen anything from the Heat that makes me think there's going to be some serious regression in the second half. It's just crazy, Christian, because like last year they were bleeding from the perimeter. To like anybody that had a handle uh, would destroy them in any drop situation they had. When you say last year, you mean the beginning of the season? Yeah, I mean, like yeah, prior yeah. to the bubble, right, right. Uh, and even when they made the the Jay and Andre trade, like they were. I mean, that last game against Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte ran rough shot over them. I mean, they were getting any kind of dribble penetration they wanted, and didn't matter if it was drop or switch or whatever. And teams would just pick on you know the, the slower guys on switches, and they would just murder the Heat drop. And like Kristen, do you remember we were like horrified of Kemba Walker last season? Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and I, you know, I think also a lot of. Uh, you know, Nikias kind of mentioned it, you know, they're probably going through some growing pains and as, as they've been working on it for a while, they, they've kind of, they've changed their tactics a little bit, but I think also a lot of this was, you, you got a lot of young guys who are probably being thrown into it for the, for the first time, guys like KZ, guys like Gabe Vincent, um, you know, and they ended up playing a lot of minutes, you know, due to all the health problems that the Heat have had. The biggest thing though, I mean, in terms of the turnaround for me is just getting Jimmy Butler back. I mean, just straight up, uh, the the on-off numbers show that since uh, since the beginning of February, the Heat uh, give up five points less per hundred possessions when Jimmy's on the court compared to off, and that's that's a massive difference. You know, that's 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 a game-changing difference. That's the difference between you know being you know nailed by a bunch of nail biters and losing games, and you know going eleven and five in that stretch. So. You know, he's obviously a huge difference maker, but I think I think the guys are, are really starting to gel more. Uh, you know, like Nakaya said, you have Andre playing, you know, a lot, a lot more minutes than I think we thought he would be, but he's proven to be very effective and he's still a very borderline elite defender, you know, at the age of 37. Uh, and that's definitely paying huge dividends for the team right now. Something I like when they play him and Andre together, Jimmy and Andre together, Nakaya is like you can Jimmy is allowed to be a help guy. And Andre is just such a, he's a getting, as you like to say, he's a getting your jersey type of guy. Great hands, just active fights, right? Like he's a great on-ball guy. And I think one of the biggest things, because I, I and, and Nikaz, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like last season, Jimmy did a lot more point of attack defending when needed. And they were using him in those situations and they weren't really using him as much as a help guy. And I think one of the changes that they made, particularly kind of when they started trapping was, kind of putting Jimmy in the corner, uh, defending those corner men and coming in to help to dig. And and the closeouts as such have been better because, you know, it's not a smaller guy closing out and it's not a, a less 
you know, smart defender who's not as good at splitting the difference. So, you know, you have Andre doing on-ball duty and then Jimmy kind of to roam, press passing lanes, do all that stuff. And I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if maybe I'm misremembering that or. No, no, no. Definitely makes sense. Um, it helps when Miami's able to kind of push back again, like with them blitzing periodically, they're able to dictate the flow of the action more so than the offense is. You're able to force the ball out of someone's hands and it's on your back line rotation to kind of um, keep everything in front. But at the, at the very least, you're taking away a team's first option. And Miami just wasn't able to do that at the beginning of the year. Like even in their drop, they still had issues fighting over screens early on in the season. And when they were switching everything, again, offense were able to just say, okay, we're just going to run this. It's really a fake pick and roll just because we know we're going to get Bam to switch out. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to swing the ball over here, and then we're really going to attack. It's kind of similar to, I want to say, 2017 when the thing that was going around was, whoa, the Spurs defense is better with Kawhi Leonard on the bench. What's going on here? And then you turn on the film, and it's teams stat, you know, basically stashing Kawhi in the corner and attacking the other four guys. So I think there was a lot of that going on earlier in the year. And just the way that Miami has countered schematically, it's made it hard to do that. And their better defenders are in more actions, even on, you know, on the ball, if they're defending that initial guy in a ball screen or off the ball, if they trap that. And now you have Jimmy Butler's guard somewhere in the corner. He's the one that's helping navigate that four on three if they get the ball out early. And Jimmy Butler's one of the best off ball defenders in the league. So Miami has been able to get more from their better defenders and they've they've also been able to up the energy level there just by virtue of what they're doing schematically. And that's paid dividends for them. They kind of have to without a four, though, because like they have that last help guy is now Jimmy. And, you know, before you'd have Jay, you'd have other guys that give you a bit more size, you know, and if Bam is switched, you know, and he gets beat. Right. That that last rotation was, you know, sometimes Gabe Vincent, sometimes Duncan Robinson, you know, smaller dudes uh and and even andre to an extent you know doesn't have i don't think the, the step to get there and contest as hard jimmy has been amazing and i've joked a lot like when Giannis turns a corner you know uh and he sees you know one of these small dudes he starts laughing because like that's not that's not resistance to them and, and i think jimmy's changed that for them a ton he's strong as hell smart um I, I, christian i was watching some because you know the, the yesterday was the anniversary of the Dwayne uh buzzer beater mm-hmm and I, I would watch Dwayne on defense and the way that they used him as a weak side shot blocker was just crazy. I mean, Dwayne was flying all over the place and not that because Jimmy doesn't have that that explosiveness. Mm-hmm. But I got some Dwayne vibes of like, OK, you are not you are not the biggest guy on the court. You're not even the third biggest guy on the court. But we are you are so good. You are so smart. You are so strong and you will get to your spots that we are going to use you as a rim protector. And it's I mean, I know that they're their percentage at the rim is a lot, but they, they limit attempts and it's largely worked. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. And that just as a shot. I mean, all, all kinds of ways off the weak side, uh, you know, obviously going towards the rim to, to protect it, but also like if, you know, if they were passing to a big near the elbow, the amount of times that he would go up there and just rip through and just, you know, create a steal and a fast break opportunity were countless. Um, you know, he was so active defensively, and it's why, I mean, it's one of the main arguments I feel like whenever the comparison between him and Kobe gets brought up is that Dwayne really does have a defensive edge. A lot of it is behind the intelligence in which he played the position. And it's why he's the greatest shot blocking guard of all time. Like that requires a high level intelligence. By the way, that was Spo that used him that way because Riley never used him that way. And for all the genius that Pat is, Spo came in here in his first year. And was like, we're going to do things this way, right? Like before that was common, like that, I, I love Spo. I'll always cape for him. That's amazing. Um, King Jack 23 in chat says, if Andre can hit the corner three at league average, it's it's good game. It's, it's GG's. Uh, I mean, uh, well, we're going to get into kind of Andre and the offense in, in, in a little bit. Last thing on the defense, um, Nikias and Christian, you and I have actually talked about this a ton. The idea of Duncan and Tyler surviving defensively together. And just off the top, in 488 minutes this season, they're minus 4.3 net rating, 105 offensive rating, not good enough, uh, 110 defensive rating, also not good enough. Um, the offensive numbers, I think you expect if Tyler starts to shoot a little better, that's going to you know get to where you expect it to be. But Nikias on defense, like in the playoffs, you know, and I think they got away with this a lot. You know, 
you're always, for the most part, going to have a guy that's going to be huntable, whether it's Kemba Walker, whether it's Seth Curry, whether it's Contavious Caldwell Pope. There's going to be a dude, uh, whether, you know, that unless you're like one of these like elite one through five defensive teams that, and even then, uh, I, I'm going to get made fun of, but like the Raptors last year were like a hard team to even pick on because, you know, Kyle and Fred are, are so tough and so strong. But like for the most part, even, 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 um, even the Jazz, you know, Mike LeBron's going to look for Mike Conley and pick and roll. And he's going to try to put him on his ass. And the Heat have two of those guys that a lot of times play crunch time together and they play a lot of minutes together. I mean, for almost 500 minutes and kind of a wonky season. It's kind of wild. And Nikonis, I'm not sure that they can survive together. And I'm I'm a little out on them together as a, as a tandem. Um, and I don't really know what Miami does if that's the case. Um, I would say, first and foremost, it seems like Spo agrees with you as well. Yeah, they've staggered. Um, first, I would imagine you pulled those stats from was those from PBB stats. Yeah. Um, do they have quarter filters there? Um, I have leverage filters, but not not quarter filters. Okay. We're not that fancy here. Used to see like what those splits are, like how often Duncan and Tyler have played in the fourth quarter together, because it doesn't feel like they've done that often over the past month. So in like, you know, Tyler's been in and out of the lineup. So that obviously contributes to it. But when they're both available, it does seem like Spo has opted to close with one of them. It yeah, may- we can do this with the regular while we all do it now. Yeah, like it feels like it's maybe dunking at the beginning of a fourth quarter, then it's Tyler closing or it's the inverse, depending on who's playing. Spo basically tries to steal minutes with the one he's not going to close with at the beginning of the quarter. So the defense is definitely an issue. Um, it's not an effort thing for either of them. I feel like it's more so, and it's such a stereotype, but I feel like it's just the physical at this point, just because, you know, Tyler competes. I don't even feel like Tyler's had a bunch of egregious off-ball lapses or anything like that. <laughs> he just can't disrupt this much. And he is a guy that can get hunted by, like, a wing creator, just by virtue of the lack of size. And Duncan Robson has a little bit more size, but the lateral quickness isn't really there. And he, if there is a chance for him to be called for a foul, he's going to be called for it. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> so when you the have- hands up is my favorite, the hands up and looks around that that's, that's a, that's a, that's a dunk classic. Yeah. Like he probably lead, he has to lead the East at least in like exasperated looks. Like I think Eric Gordon is always going to have the West crown, but who's going to have the West crown? Eric Gordon. He, oh, for sure. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Well, Tim Duncan before him. Tim Duncan was was the best. Are you are you guys in for something surprising? Yes. So in the fourth quarter this season, when the Heat have Tyler and Duncan on the court, they are actually plus ten point one net right now in hundred twenty minutes. And the defense has a 106 defensive rating, which would be near the top of the league, which is not terrible in today's NBA. So it seems that the damage that's done in those in those Tyler Duncan lineups isn't in the fourth quarter. But, you know, obviously the fourth quarter is important, but the first three quarters matter just as much. I would say the counter there would just be like, the league average for offensive rating in the fourth quarter is probably pretty low. Yeah, I was going to say. So I wonder, like, what that is against the average. Like, 106 is good as an overall number, but I wonder what the league average for, like, fourth quarter. Um, the, I, think, I think the plus 10 is what. Yeah, the really plus 10. So, but, yeah, that, I just – it just doesn't feel like they play that often. You said, what, 100 and how many minutes? It was about 100. I remember, 120 I mean, some minutes of those – In the fourth some quarter. Some of those games were – you know, when everybody was out and, you know, it was either them or Gabe Vincent. Right. Or sometimes them and Gabe Vincent. <laughs> I mean, um, I, and kind of speaking of him real quick, like, have you liked what he's given? I, I like what they get, what he gives them defensively. I don't know if he's a long-term solution or even a, a medium-term solution, but I do think that when he's played, I think he's, I, I like what I see. I don't know if he's, like, good enough to be, like, in the rotation and when games count, but, like, damn if he doesn't try yeah, it's another situation to where I don't feel like he's out of place. It's simply a matter of him not being good enough to execute what he's doing. Like even offensively, it doesn't. There are some he's, like, shots not there. Reattempt games from him, but like he's largely taking the shots that are available. He's just not a good enough shooter to convert them at the level you need him to. So like he, 
He does a pretty good job of finding his spots offensively. Defensively, he's pretty good at the point of attack. Um, definitely sub-elite. But, like, he's fine. Um, going back to one of the Hawks games, like, he did a pretty good job on Trey Young. And even when they brought extra uh, pressure, you know, he was still doing his part. Um, if he can carve out anything consistently offensively, if three-point shot really comes for him, because that was kind of that, the – That would be huge. Yeah. So if the shot actually falls for him, then he's a serviceable backup point guard, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's horrible as, like, a, like a creator off a closeout. I think he's, like, largely, like, again, for a backup point guard, right? Like, I, I think he's fine on that end, too. Like, I know in the G League, you know, he, he did a lot of damage, you know, kind of going at guys off the dribble. Um, so you kind of hope that I wonder if it's a size thing with him. Cause I mean, he's, he's like, a, I mean, he's a good shooter. He's just not a good NBA shooter. So I don't know if it's just like those gaps close quicker. Uh, if he's just not getting the quality shots that maybe he's a guy like Kim's going to need, you know, uh, he's kind of, he's a, he's a bit of a case. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because he's also taking quite a few of them. Um, so like he's still shooting 26% on the season. Obviously that's just not acceptable. I mean, like how worse than a Linux. Yeah. Last five games, he's shooting 38% on four attempts a game, which is obviously like, if he can give you the, the Jimmy effect, like that kind of production, like with, you know, the defensive, you know, cause obviously the heat don't have a lot of talented defensive guards. So if he can give you something there, that's, that, that would be huge for them. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Brooklinen has you covered. Uh, Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-customer bedding company. The work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting and they're confident that you will love their product so they even offer a 365 day money back guarantee and brooklinen is so much more than sheets their comforters pillows towels even loungewear and more go to brooklinen.com and use promo code heatbeat to get 25% off when you spend 100 or more plus free shipping that's b-r-o-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com and enter promo code heatbeat to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping brooklinen.com and use promo code heatbeat at checkout like, guys, are you tweeting chat saying it's crazy to see you tweet in real time? <laughs> That's funny. We're talking Lamarcus Aldridge on the timeline. Yeah, you're, I you're know. Watching his tweeting to, face. Chad is asking for your Lamarcus opinion. We're going to get to that at the end. I just want to kind of get through the defense because there's a lot I want to get to. The last thing on the defense is Kelly Olenek because I've been, guys, I've been a defender of KO on defense this season. I think his rotations are are good. I think he's where he needs to be like 90% of the time. I think in drop, he's fine. I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to make a play for you, but he's not, you know, I, I don't think he's hurting you in drop. And and I think that maybe sometimes it looks a little worse because the, the guards aren't great, but I think it's been good. I think he's been fine. I think the rotations have been good. The numbers would suggest that he's surviving on defense. The eye test would suggest he's surviving on defense. I think his traps have been really good. I mean, he's usually, Bam's not been the trap man very much. It's been him. It's been him and, and the other ball handler defender in, in pick and roll. Their defense um, is 110 with him on, 110 with him off. It largely doesn't change. Um, I think he's been fine. And I think that while he's not their long-term solution at, at the four slash five, I do think that people kind of going at his defense has been a little unfair. And I think his survivability has been a big reason because he plays a ton of minutes have been why they've managed to like kind of stay, become a good defense. Oh, Spurs Aldridge to part ways. Yes. Is he bought out? Uh, it's just as Woj, Brig Popovich confirms they've uh, mutually agreed to move on. Um, what does that mean? I mean, I remember, <laughs> like a breakup? Pat visited him that one free agency when everybody was confused. No was cap like, space. Why the hell are you visiting him with no cap space? But I mean, who knows? I mean, he would be 
a pretty nice fit next to Bam. Is he still no. hitting threes at a decent clip, Nikias? No. Oh, he's not. That, that would have been Nikias, <laughs> You and I, are, I think you and I are aligned. None of these, none of these cement-footed bigs. Their defense is good, and these guys are not gonna help their offense. They need help with their offense. They need help pressuring the rim, getting some north-south action, or some good to great spot-up shooters. I don't understand the fan base because the defense, as we've talked about, is good. It's fine. They've been good, especially since Jimmy's come back. They have the third best defense behind the Lakers and for some reason the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they have been good on that end. They've won their game. They've made their money on that end because the offense is still crap. Uh, I don't understand the fans, Nikias, wanting a cement-footed big. I, I, that's not going to help their offense. I don't get it. I think if you're arguing for LaMarcus Aldridge, like, honestly, if the I don't think the Heat should trade for LaMarcus Aldridge. If LaMarcus Aldridge gets bought out and you're able to get him for a minimum, then I can be talked into it as, a, as like a third big. Yeah, like there we go. <laughs> and the only reason I really want that, because as we talked about a little bit earlier, like the three-point shot isn't super falling for him. And that's a problem. But I do think if he's your backup five, then that kind of balances the bench a little bit because what's had like Andre Godal at the four is not something that I love. I think if you're able to slide him up to the three in some lineups with this second unit, I think that helps a little bit in terms of his defensive matchups. He do he does need to play though. I think that his contributions on defense i think that we've gone past that he can't play he needs to play he does need to play but i i do think some front court depth could be needed because if nothing else you can solve you can kind of solve your problem at the four with playing bam more at the four with who ko obviously if you're going to play him and aldridge together i don't like that like teams i don't i don't like teams still defend aldridge like a guy that can shoot but I'd just rather do, use Olenek. I think Olenek's better than he is. And anything that they do out of horns when both of them come up to screen, Kelly pops, bam rolls, anything that they do is just going to be better with Olenek. Because Olenek also gives you the passing threat. He's a better guy kind of attacking those closeouts. I just think he's a smarter player. Um, I don't I don't see the utility. And I think the other thing is, is that people just feel like guys are just going to come here to ride the bench and maybe play. Like... What are you what are you gonna promise him? How like are you how, how where are you gonna find these? You know, I, I I guess you could say like well they they have a vacuum at four, but like I think that they've been winning games and I don't know how much he helps you that you could say yeah for sure you're going to give you 15 minutes a game. I think the argument is that even if you feel like Bam plus Olenek is what you want ultimately to close out games or whatever, you do need to spell Olenek. Like I think part of their issue with Olenek here is that Miami has had to rely on him so much, like. Having Kelly Olenek in your front court rotation is not a bad thing. Having him as your starting four is not a bad thing. A lot. Agreed. But Aldridge is not the alternative answer. My thing is, I don't think Kelly Olenek should be your most reliable four or your only. Agreed. So that I agree. having any sort of depth there, again, even if it's Bam and Olenek mo- still getting the majority of that pairing, like being able to spell Olenek sometimes means you don't have to rely on him as much. And maybe you don't get the drastic cold spells that you do if you aren't relying on him every single night to bring something. I think Aldridge can for you sometimes. I feel like you're talking yourself into Lamarcus Aldridge. I, I think um that's our by the way, that's our trash tweeter, Weird Alf himself. Yeah. Also the Weird Alf free. Sorry, sorry to come in uh unintroduced, but the chat is begging you to look at it. They've been talking about Lamarcus Aldridge. All, all I have, but we were having a conversation about the defense. I was, okay. I was, I wanted to be organized. I wanted to talk defense, and I was going to get into some of the trades later. I'm looking at chat. Jackson, man of the people. Um, so I would say the thing with Lamarcus Aldridge is everybody agrees he's not the answer, right? And I think that's what People you were saying. He's saying that he's better than Olenek. He's not better. Than he's Olenek. not. I'm sorry. He no, but have like to be better than Olenek. He doesn't have to be. He's saying he is, and I'm like, I don't get. He's a better. He's shooting from. better right now. Like, and the fact is, like, as like Lamarcus Aldridge is not a shooter. Like, 
as much as like they need him to be, but like he's better than a lot of the options they have right now. And he would cost very little. Like, I know you're really into Harrison Barnes. Like I really want Otto Porter. Like there are guys out there that I think would address their issues better and more completely. And like, that would be really nice. Like, you know, there was a Larry Nance rumor earlier. That would be like, I think team changing in like in an awesome way, but I I don't think those guys are necessarily available to the heat in like as much as we think they are like there are competing forces out there for Harrison Barnes. You know, the Celtics are very interested. I think there's a report today. I don't know the reliability that, you know, that they were, I guess the favorites in some people's eyes to get Harrison Barnes. And like, the fact of the matter is the heat don't have a wealth of assets to get that guy who is the answer for your team. The thing about LaMarcus Aldridge is he is not going to cost much. And he does add something to your team that you don't have. And it's not necessarily, it's kind of like when we were talking about Bielitsa, like he's not I'd rather have Bielitsa than LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, okay. Like, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, give but me either one, yeah. like, like this doesn't have to be an either or type thing, you know? The fact of the matter is like that it's not about like instead of Kelly Olynyk, it's in addition to Kelly Olynyk because right now it's Kelly Olynyk and nobody. And I think that's what Nikias was saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's the Kelly Olynyk was Andre at the four, which again, like I and Nikias, like correct me if I'm wrong. Like I think the Heat are running. They're, they're walking a very fine line where the team, their offense stinks when Andre plays the four, but their defense is good. And they're winning games with their defense. And I think that they're betting on Duncan, on Tyler, to hit a couple more shots from the outside to keep their late-game offense above water so that they can close with Jimmy, Bam, Andre, and then your shooters. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they bank on. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know how... I don't know how much better LaMarcus makes you in that situation. And I think because they have a limited wealth of assets, because they have limited roster spots, because really you can cut Myers Leonard, you can cut Mo Harkless and Chris Silva, right? So I'm sure that there's at least another buyout guy. And if they trade a two for one, you know what I mean? So I'm not... And I'm not going to say the other name that that we know as you feel about their roster spot because you can't cut Struess and, and Gabe because they're two way guys. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. That's why I'm not high on the move. Like I think that they should use the roster spots better. I think that Bailitia, if you can get him, is better. Um, Otto Porter as well. Barnes. Like I'm just not into that idea. If you can get a better player, then get the better player. I'm not. Uh, the argument has never been Lamarcus Aldridge is the best option that Miami has. He is not. Yeah. And I even prefaced my statement with, I would not trade for him. Like Aldridge to Miami only makes sense to me if nobody trades assets for him and the Spurs are like, okay, cool, we will buy him out. In that case, it is basically house money, use the minimum, and then you have another option. Um, With Miami, you know, they take a Jimmy off the floor, they take a Bam off the floor. Sometimes, at least early in the year, they would have both on the bench at the same time, which drove me a little bit crazy. If you're going to give like Tyler Hero primary ball handler reps off the bench or have, you know, if he gets more of those reps, he's going to need a release valve out there. I think Aldridge can provide that in spurts. He's still a guy that can knock down pick and pop jumpers. Even if it aren't, isn't threes, he can buy you a six minute break with mid range jumpers while you wait for one of your stars to come back. Like there is a role for him to fill. I do not think he is the answer. I do not think I the best player available. But if it's get Aldrich on the minimum, then sure. Because again, even if you feel like Olenek is better, he can't be your only reliable option at the four. But you need a small ball four. You need like a three four guy, not a four five guy. Like I think you gotta aggressively look for a three four, not a four five. Because at the end of at the end of games, you need a guy to switch. You can't, you know, you can't be stuck with these, you know, it, it, it can't just be you know, these bigs that can't switch. Cause like, that's really what this league has become. You need guys that can switch guys that can't get picked on and drop guys that can't get attacked. And, and Olenek's not that guy either. Like I'm not arguing that Olenek's on the floor late, but um, name names. Who are the other options? I mean, we, we, I mean we've, we've talked, I mean, again, Belizia Barnes, um, you know, fruity gay is available. I, I Did you say fruity gay. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he said. <laughs> so Woj, no, Chris, before you go, Woj says the Spurs are working on trade scenarios, trades with Mark, Lamarcus Aldridge, and have been engaged on several fronts. And follow-up tweet, there's a level of confidence that a trade partner will be found for Aldridge even in the next week. And no movement toward a contract buyout. Um, uh, and I was going to say, uh, our close friend, uh, Leif, Greg Sylvander, five reasons sports tweeted about 20 minutes ago. The Miami heat are one of several teams that are discussing trade scenarios with the Spurs for LaMarcus Aldridge, according to sources senses, the cost, not as big a hurdle here. Mm. So, uh, it seems like they're trying to trade for him. What is, what is, what is LaMarcus's salary? LaMarcus, that's LaMarcus Aldridge's spot track. Let's see. Cause, cause it, 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 they don't have enough mid-sized contracts unless, you know, Myers is going right. <laughs> and again, that's radioactive right now. So LaMarcus is at 24 million. They can't cobble their trade exception with salary. That's not how that works. So to cobble together that amount of salary they're going to have to send out dudes that are better than him and dudes that they need. And Pat's always had a fascination with that guy. I I hope that they don't trade for him. Um, I, I just, I just really hope they don't like, yeah. like I said at the top, like I'm out on a trade. I don't think they should give up assets to bring. Well, not even assets. I don't know unless the offer is, Unless it's Myers Leonard, Avery Bradley, who hasn't played in what feels like three. Harkless. And Harkless. Like, if that gets you to that 80% threshold or whatever the number is, I don't have the CPA in front of me. If that gets you to the number necessary to where an this trade works legally, then sure. Anything more than that is a hard no for me. Like, chat saying Myers KO in a second. Like, no, that's, an, that's no, absolutely not. You can't give up you KO. Need, for, you, need, you can get something better for the second round pick, guarantee you. It's not even about the second round pick. It's, I mean, you can't give up KO. Like, you, you can't give up KO and literally the only immediate, that's a 2022 second round pick that they have. Yeah. This is the most immediate asset that they have. They could not give that for the Marcus Aldridge. Sure, but like, that's the Heat don't give a shit. Like, they'll do whatever they want to do with the pick. It doesn't matter to them as much as it matters to us. Like, I don't care about, like that pick as much but like you can't give up the better player in the trade to and i know like people in the chat are disagreeing about like whether lma is is better than ko but i mean it's just people have underrated ko ko has been good for the team this year he's been reliable on he's not shooting well but like he's been he's been what they need him to be when jimmy butler's on the floor Okay, well, that's a good number then. And I like, I think you have to hope that he gets out of his shooting slump and then, like, you know, give you something serviceable, like, from beyond the arc. But other than that, like, I don't know. Like, what does your defense do if you trade KO for LaMarcus Aldridge and it doesn't help your depth? And then your team gets older too. Like, your team's already super old. And if, like, your front court rotation outside of BAM is like Andre Iguodala and LaMarcus Aldridge, who are both like space. 50 years old. Like That's the only positive. You get a little more cap space. But you, for Again, what? Not worth it to me. Yeah, for what? So chat's asking, don't we have a $7.5 million trade exception, Myers, Avery, Moat? You can't. The you can't trade package exception cannot that. be added to salary. The trade exception has to be just traded for something. Uh, and I think you can break it up, but you just can't like say, okay, 10 Myers is 10 plus 7.5 is 17.5. That, that's not how trade exceptions work. Nikias, I'm going to tell you some numbers. Okay. Kelly Olinick plus Jimmy Butler in almost 500 minutes is a plus 13 net rating. Okay. LeBron James and Anthony Davis is about the same. Okay. What do we make of that? Uh, pairings have been effective. I don't, I mean, like, but I mean, that that's, that. I mean, like, okay, you, you kind of really took the wind out of my sails, but like, <laughs> that's really good. That's, I thought that was impressive. I thought, I, I thought I had something there. No, no, that, that is a <laughs> pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I, damn, damn, man. I, we're I, friends. I want to troll you a little bit. We're, we're not. It <laughs> has been, he's been pretty good this year on balance. Um, I do think. The fan base has been a little harsh on him just because Miami has relied on him a ton, which is also the issue. Miami is in a position to where they have to rely on Kelly Olenek when Kelly Olenek in a best case scenario is a guy that complements what you do. 
And if he doesn't have it, you should have like comparable options to throw out there. He don't. So when Kelly Olenek is in his usual stretch where he's going like three of 18 for three, then you really, because your next best option is Casey Akpala, who doesn't look at the basket. Or it's Andre Godala who is not guarded, period. So that's bad, Nikaias. He's legit. Like they've Tony Allen him yeah. in the corners. It's bad. It's very bad. You know, it's funny. He's made them pay. He's shooting f- over 40% from each corner this season. So, I mean, yeah, it's a gamble teams are taking. But they'll win. Or- they win that by not guarding him because he's not, he's never going to shoot enough of them that it's going to matter. It mucks their offense, especially when Jimmy plays, because you can just go really under with Jimmy and then you can cheat with help. And once you take away that drive, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I've stopped underestimating the heat uh, shooting coaches. Um, The chat just posted, posted an interesting question. Um, A couple of people asked, uh, do we want James Johnson back? I take him, but I don't know if he's available. He'd certainly help. Where are they hiding James Johnson? I mean, Nikias, he he really, I mean, he and Justice would fit the bill for a lot of what they need on the, the four. Well, they want Josh Richardson too. They're they're just they're just talking about. Oh, the I'm down to get the. Game. Let's just let, yeah, let's just bring them all back. Like that sounds great, honestly. Well, who do we have to get rid of to make that happen? Everybody, that sounds good. You know, that's not Bam and Jimmy. Yeah, no. I'll trade Tyler for them. <laughs> well, they don't. Okay, Goron, Goron's got to stay too. Uh, I mean, that's all of them. That's all their assets. That's, let's get 30 and 11 back, but just add Jimmy and Bam. You guys say like they have nothing. I mean, like they have Tyler, they have Duncan, they have Kendrick. You know, you they have like eight. You probably trick pick. somebody into KZ. Like, you know, they like a, they have a first round pick that I'm not entirely sure what because do you know when the first round pick that they it's so nebulous, and I feel like nobody knows exactly when that first round pick they can trade, and it depends on a lot of conditions, which I believe includes what the Kings do this season. Because there's like some sort of weird if it, the 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 worst record of the three, then Miami gets their pick or something, but they can't trade it. I don't like it's weird. They have this like really nebulous mazy pick situation. Uh, I I don't have the specifics of it. The easiest way I remember it is that it's it's going to be the next presidential election before they can. <laughs> no way, really. That's really all that matters to me. That's so funny. So AOC's presidential campaign, they'll have a pick. I got it. Okay, exciting. Two things to look forward to. Um, like they they don't they don't have they don't have a, they don't have a ton in the cupboard, right? They don't have a ton that they can move. Um, especially with kind of understanding that they're probably going to keep Duncan and all that stuff. So I mean, the trade market's going to be interesting to monitor. Uh, we're running out of time a little bit. Um, I wanted to get. I, I mean, we've talked a lot about their offense. I just haven't really gotten to talk about it with Nikias. Which, by the way, at eight thirty tonight. You can check out Light Skin Opinions right here on this Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash M-I-A-Heat uh, Alf, Chris Maddox, Parrish, they're going to be talking about the Myers-Leonard situation more in depth than we did and a lot more <laughs> a lot more intelligently than I did uh, and, and a lot funner. Um, they're also going to talk about what happened with whatever Oprah did with the royal family. I'm still not entirely sure other than royals can be racist i don't really i, I don't understand the british royal family very much but i was going to break that down light skin opinions at 8 30 right here on the switch channel uh Nikias, their offense has looked a little better uh and to kind of uh, uh, to circle back to ko for one last time one of the things i've really liked has been their olenic and jimmy butler tandem lineups right so when they play together without bam I think that's been a new wrinkle. So it's a lot less precious, a lot more KO and Jimmy. KO at the five, Jimmy at the four, Jimmy plus Andre. And then they just kind of spray around with shooters and movements. Uh, those lineups are plus 12, uh, plus 11 per 100 possessions, uh, almost a 119 offensive rating, 107 defensive rating. I just feel like they move better. They're cutting better. They slip better. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot more misdirection. Part of that is just because they have more shooters on the floor. And they have a lot more movers and it's not, it's a, I feel like they run a lot less handoffs. They run more, you know, they've run stuff out of horns. They go to their pistol action, which I know that some people have asked to explain, you know, you have a guy screen in the corner while another guy runs off. Duncan's really, really effective at that. They run some of their flex stuff. Like what, is that something that you see going forward that this is going to be a staple of their rotation? I really like it. 
Um, and I think it's a good kind of little wrinkle in their bench unit to to kind of squeeze out some of the precious minutes when he's not playing well. <clears throat> I think it's good just by virtue of having Jimmy on the floor instead of the earlier trend to where Jimmy and Bam would be on the bench at the same time. And it never made much sense to me. So you have that downhill dynamic with Jimmy and then you have spacing plus Andre Godala around that. It still puts a lot of strain on, on Andre Godala to knock down those corner shots because a lot of the advantages created is going to lead to driving kicks for him. And if he doesn't knock down those shots, then it gets kind of problematic offensively pretty quickly. But I, I do like the general idea of it, just having all of that movement. You have a guy like Jimmy that can kind of bail you out with some late shots at the rim if necessary. Um, it definitely makes sense. We wouldn't be surprised if Spoke sticks with it until it just doesn't work anymore. They're up to 20th in offense in the stretch since Jimmy's come back, Jack. So, like, since January 30th, um, they've gone to about 20th in offense, which they were, like, near the bottom. They were, like, 28th, I think, when it started. So I think that's encouraging. I think the turnovers have kind of gone down a little bit. The shooting has gone up. It's been a kind of gradual. Are you like disappointed that it hasn't been more a more succinct upward trajectory or should we be? No, things have been like turbulent. I think there are reasons to be encouraged. And I think like overall, considering all of the shit that like, I mean, every NBA team has got, had to go through, but I think some teams like a handful have been vif have fallen victim to the weirdness of this season more than others. And the heat are definitely in that category. So you can't really expect like, like something consistent and natural, like a, um, in terms of growth. Have you guys talked about Bam's tendonitis much this episode? I'm going to get into that right now. That's because that is the concern for me, both with long-term Bam's like, knee health obviously like that's not a small thing that's something that lingers if they can get him healthy that's awesome he's young so it's not like a huge concern on that end but there's also the concern of you know like when bam goes out everybody else has to work harder to win and then you're putting a lot of pressure on jimmy who's a little older or like iguodala who's older and like then if you can't you know the benefit of having a healthy lineup is that everybody can kind of carry part of the load a little more. But when you're like Goron, you need to come out and like play 30 minutes and score 25 for us to win on a given night, because we don't have a front court right now. Like <laughs> which it goes to the uh, LaMarcus Aldridge conversation is like, if Bam is going to have tendonitis issues, you want a body for the regular season that they do not have because Myers is not available. Um, Kelly is your only real big right now. And let, unless you're confident that Chris Silver, Casey Akpala can quickly become an NBA level player, which, you know, jury's out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, he's Bam's not playing tomorrow um, against the magic and they're there. It is a back-to-back uh, magic, then Chicago magic Thursday, Chicago Friday. So, uh, maybe they're holding him out for the second night of that back-to-back. And, and by the way, the Heat play a ton of back-to-backs. Uh, I know that they have the eighth easiest or the, the sixth easiest schedule, uh, including with fifth, Jack? I think so. Fifth, yeah. Because uh, there's one like there's one ranking that has like rest advantage factored in. Uh, but I mean, regardless, whatever, whatever one you use, they have a positive, um, like they have a very easy schedule. So... Uh, but they do play a lot of back-to-backs, which kind of worries me for guys like Jimmy, Andre, Bam. Like, a, I, I feel a lot of uh, rest, uh, knee soreness, <laughs> rest ankle soreness uh, in our futures. So, you know, the bodies are going to help. Uh, appreciate everybody for coming to chat. Appreciate Nikias for making time out of his busy little socialite influencer schedule to join us on this on our on our itty bitty podcast. Uh, Nikias, your work is incredible. As always, I will always talk about how great you are, how much I respect you. Where can people listen to your podcast that is legitimately, like, if you love basketball, 
you need to be listening to this podcast. Not only is it funny, it's informative. You will learn something every time you turn it on. And even if you don't want to learn, just like listen to watch Steve antagonize Nikias. Steve Jones Jr., Nikias' co-host. I love to push Nikias' buttons, and it's my favorite part. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe after man, that in the basketball talk. Nikias, what, what is it? Where can people find it, and when do you post? Uh, it is the dunker spot. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we drop every Monday. Um, we may bump up the frequency in the second half of the season. So stay tuned for that. But as of now, we're dropping every Monday. We love it. Uh, shout out to Steve Jones Jr. What does that say? Weird Alf pregame show tomorrow debut. Alf and Christian, they have squeezed me out. Listen, we listen to our fans. The fan says less G. And we are giving it to you. We are giving you the content that don't you get their hopes up. Like that. You're fans. still gonna be there like half the time at least. Yeah, we'll so we'll like, <laughs> okay. So out, on our way out, by the way, remember to check out our Patreon, light skin opinions, all that stuff. Nikias, on the way out, fans want you quick talk about Spain pick and roll. On the way out, just hit them with it. Spain pick and roll. Let's go. If you love Spain pick and rolls like I do, turn on a Charlotte Hornets game because no team in the NBA runs more than Hornets. There you go. Shout out to James Borrego. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.